Hi, my name is Ava, and this is my life without pants. Although the result of his labor has come into question over the years, it was my dad who taught me how to drive. An ongoing lesson that took place in many vehicles over the course of my young adult life. At 13, I was shifting the gear from the passenger seat of his 1997 Red Golf at his queue and believing that I was single-handedly keeping the car in motion. More likely, I was responsible for stalling it at every red light, but he never led on to that either. At 15, I was circling a school parking lot in his automatic silver Mazda minivan between fits of laughter as he said, now try to park it in the lines. My dad had the best sense of humor. At 18, I was as tired of commuting on public transit as my older brother and friends were of chauffeuring me around. I finally signed up for driving school when the boy I had a crush on did too. And because my dad never let up on something that I had half-heartedly committed to, he dedicated himself several times a week for our lessons. Sometimes, he'd be standing on the driveway, keys in hand, waiting for me to get home from class. Before I could even roll my eyes at his determination to get me on the road, he would promise to buy me ice cream if I could get us there safely. Others tried to help me, like my uncle. But he didn't last long. Twenty minutes, to be exact. When I pulled back into my driveway, Dad was there, still waiting. I began to look forward to our regular Saturday brunch-and-learn driving lessons. He always kept his cool, like when I breezed onto a roundabout one morning and my dad just calmly looked over his shoulder at the car I nearly swiped. Huh, you almost hit that guy. I was well on my way to mobile independence. We celebrated at that same brunch spot when I finally obtained my license that summer, two failed attempts later. It was my dad who spotted the 1997 white Ford Escort on the lot, after ruling out the 2005 Nissan Sentra I had my eye on due to questionable rust spots. He test drove it around the block because he knew what he was listening for, while I sat in the back seat pretending I did too. When we got back, our salesman enlightened us that the back seat reclines all the way down, winking at me. Do you know what I mean? I decided to buy this car just so that I could run him over with it. My dad drove the Escort off the lot a week later, delivering it to me after his mechanic had deemed it a safe ride. Little did he know what kind of driver he would be handing it to. At 20, I was driving my dad to his chemotherapy appointments at Princess Margaret Hospital, after his diagnosis with multiple myeloma. I would drive him downtown on Tuesday mornings, which happened to be my day off from classes during my third year of journalism school. We nailed down a routine pretty quickly. After his morning blood test, we would walk over to the cafe on College Street, where I learned everything that mattered from my dad. It was there that he advised me on my career and desired to move to Australia after graduation, with the steady assurance of guiding my parallel park. After chemo, we would stop by our favorite Thai restaurant, it was usually dinner time by this point, where we scarfed down piles of pad thai and mango ice cream. On our way home, he would ask to stop off at a gas station and insist that I wait inside the car as he refilled my tank. I was 22 when my dad could no longer drive the luxury Subaru Legacy he treated himself to before finding out his cancer was terminal. 
tumors had buried themselves into the muscles of his right shoulder, and while radiation had zapped them away, permanent nerve damage would see him struggle to write his name, let alone take the wheel. One blizzardy night, our half-hour commute back from the hospital took almost four hours as my sleepy dad fought to stay awake and keep me company. Looking out my snow-strewn windshield, I remember feeling trapped on the road, like there was no end in sight. And there was my dad, happily riding shotgun, enjoying what precious time he had left in the car with me. He passed away on Halloween that year. I'm 26, and still haven't mastered parallel parking. A few days before Christmas, I somehow managed to snake my little Kia Rio into a spot near the cafe where I'm meeting a friend. I had really wedged myself in there, and was hoping that either the car directly in front of or behind me would be gone by the time I got back. Of course, they weren't. And so began a series of futile attempts to shimmy my way out anyway and pretend like I hadn't fucked myself good this time. Ten minutes later, frustrated and going nowhere, I was careening on the edge of a breakdown. I'm literally stuck, and it hits me that all of the quiet confidence my dad used to steer me out of situations like this one is gone with him. How am I supposed to carry on when I can't even bring myself to move forward? Grief has a funny way of unraveling you in the most mundane moments. I don't know when exactly I pulled myself together enough to swing open my door for a better view of the cars I was trapped between. That's when a man stepped out in front of my windshield, waving. Don't do that, he gently instructed, ushering me back into my vehicle. He circled his arm, and I turned the wheel to follow his motion. He tapped the hood when I successfully cleared the bumper in front of me, and free at last, I peeled away seamlessly. I think I waved to say thank you, and I don't remember if he turned back to see. As I drove off, I rolled my eyes, ashamed that I had once again let myself become another damsel in distress behind the wheel. Countless hours of driving lessons with my father, and all I managed to learn from him was how to graciously accept help when defeated. Actually, that I perfected. Listening to the My Life Without Pants podcast, and this is my life. I'm Ava Bakari. Okay, let's switch gears. I wanted to sit down with my other driving instructor, who, as you heard in the essay, I drove away after one lesson. Too many car puns. Anyway, here's my sit down with my uncle Zio John, talking about his traumatic experience with me behind the wheel. We were in an empty parking lot of a go, go train station. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would be the perfect spot where you could... Reverse park with, you're trying to help me with. With reverse parking yeah. and somehow forward, reverse, uh, gas pedal, brake didn't really make too much sense <laughs> at the time. Do we think it was because of the way you were explaining it? I Do was we... doing my best to explain it, but unfortunately you couldn't park in an empty parking lot mm. with several hundred spaces. Again, that so... could speak to your ability to teach. <laughs> Do you have faith in my driving abilities and how they've improved since then? It's, it's like an adventure every time. So <laughs> we have to be careful. You have not seen me reverse park or parallel park on a busy Toronto street. I think you need to get into the car with me right now, and I will show you. I will uh, prove you wrong. 
I would go to a, a, a empty go station parking lot with you, but not on a Toronto street. We're gonna relive that day. I, I, I'm We're gonna relive that moment. Are we doing this? Of doing that. But Are we doing this? If we could. Let's try Give me your that. keys. Let's I'll try do it on your car. Before we go on to a main street, let's try what we try to do <laughs> and make it longer than 20 minutes. So having been in the car with me and knowing what that was like, and you know, you knew my dad, you knew what kind of person he was and his personality, how much patience do you think it took for him to do that over and over and over again? Well, I can say that he had a lot of patience especially since uh, I had a lot of patience too, but mine ran out. <laughs> and his was, was probably endless in, in this case because it takes a lot of patience to teach you how to drive. Give me your keys. <laughs> Thank you, Dijon. You're welcome, anytime. <laughs> I, I still love you, regardless <laughs> of what kind of driver you are. <laughs> By now you know that the point of being pantsless is to bear it all for the sake of being open and honest. So that's what I'm doing with the stories of my life. I knew from the beginning that I wanted to share the stories of my dad, who's had one of the biggest influences on who I am today. My dad passed away after a two-year battle with multiple myeloma in October 2012. But throughout his illness, my father never lost his edge when it came to storytelling. I guess you could say he inspired my own joy in telling stories. I still struggled with choosing the first story that would introduce my late father and properly convey my relationship with him. I chose to tell it this way because driving was our thing. Some of our greatest conversations were with him behind the wheel and me riding shotgun. Then I turned 18 and it was finally my turn to be in the driver's seat. I was definitely a late bloomer to take the wheel, but I enjoyed being driven around like Miss Daisy while my dad regaled me with tales that I will cherish for the rest of my life. Looking back, it's probably for the best that I wasn't very good at driving. It meant I got more time with him, more hilarious moments of close calls, and more nuggets of life wisdom that come to me now when I need them most. I don't know if I realized it at the time how important those car rides were in shaping me as a person. Thanks for listening to this episode of My Life Without Pants, based on the blog, which can be found at mylifewithoutpants.ca. Coming up on the next episode... If you can convince a gay guy to go out on a date with you, then I think you can convince anyone to go on a date with you. This podcast is produced and edited by Amanda Capito. The part of Ava was read by Jessica Waring, and the graphics were done by Channel 13. Special thanks goes to my uncle, John DeLuca. I'm Ava Bakari, and if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes.